Milestones matter, and it is always important to celebrate the small wins. So today, we are celebrating the 25th episode of Right in the Middle Market by looking back on what we've covered in the first 25 episodes, talking about what we're going to cover in the next 25 episodes, and of course, because it's been a little while since we've talked about what's happening in the middle market in general, an update on the middle market. Plus, listen to the end of the episode for a special engaged listener bonus. Welcome to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about pragmatic perspectives on running, growing, and selling your business. We talk about the challenges, decisions, and most importantly, the actions business owners can take to create long-term value in their companies. Welcome to Right in the Middle Market. I'm Stephanie Chambliss-Gaffin, and I'm here today with my co-host, Mark Gaffin, and this is our 25th episode. When we first came up with the idea of doing a podcast in the summer, this really came out of wanting to figure out how could we make sure that we were getting good information out to middle market business owners and those who advise them as we all were going through the craziness of 2020. And this was our intent and our desire to try to put out hopefully good information, valuable content to support middle market business owners, because we know that this has been a tough year. Even for companies that are doing really well, this has been a tough year. And so our focus has been around how can we provide content that is valuable, that is interesting around running, growing, and selling your middle market business. So, okay, Mark, honest question. When we started, did you think we would get to 25 episodes? Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, I did. I think that there's a a lot of great information out there. I know that one of the things that we enjoy about working with clients in the middle market is kind of making this less mysterious, making this process something that's digestible, but then also showing how the particular clients can be well positioned, can tell their story, get to that right story. Because quite frankly, if they have made it through the global financial crisis, if they've made it through this year, there, there's a good story there at the core. Um, and it's a, it's a matter of how do, would we, how would we make that compelling to an external investor, either in a, you know, minority raise, a debt raise, or even an exit. So yeah, I thought we'd get, get there. It's been interesting. Love the feedback we've gotten. It's been terrific to work with a number of really great professionals. I know we've got a bunch of um, really cool interviews coming up uh, talking about, a, a, again, a bunch of really great ways to use service providers and in specific parts of the MA process. So lots of cool stuff coming. I think when I've really started to think more about planning out the next 25 episodes, it has been reflective of how my thinking has evolved about the podcast and thinking with every episode about how do we make sure that we're bringing value to the people that are listening. And so thinking about, um, you know, one that we have coming up on it, how can you start to manage and, uh, maybe mitigate or minimize the inevitable headaches that come with HR? How can you think about for those who are drowning in data? I know a lot of times I feel like I'm drowning in data, but, you know, sorely lacking in insights. And so how can you do a better job of translating from, raw data into actual, actual actionable insights and driving towards improving your company every day. We, it's been a really interesting time. I think we've been hearing from companies recently who, you know, after a relatively quiet or quieter than normal deal activity and deal flow in, you know, Q2, maybe Q3 of this year, 
we're starting to see a lot more activity, people picking their heads up. We're hearing, hearing about companies that are getting not one, but multiple inbound inquiries about whether they would be interested in selling. And so how do you do that? What do you do when you get an inbound offer and all of a sudden have to turn around and, and decide, am I going to entertain or ultimately accept this offer? Those of us that have been around for a little while, and we get, we've gotten lived through a couple different dislocations in the market. And I hope I've been relatively consistent on that across uh, the episodes, but I'm one of those people that believes that the middle market is the market that moves the U.S. economy. Um, I think it's vitally important to our recovery, to creating jobs. Um, those entrepreneurs out there that are working, you know, seven days a week to figure out new models, new ways to, to, to work through the current, uh, challenges. And, and there'll be challenges in the future as well. Um, you know, that kind of int- is interesting to, to see how we can help them. And, and I think what's important to me as we talk about running as well as, uh, selling, right? Cause, cause most people are running their companies right now. How do I get back on track? How do I deal with the new environment? And there's a lot of people prognosticating a bunch of things about working from home forever. And then those, those articles, I will tell you right now, will start to change about, okay, actually the return to the workplace, you know, and, and there'll be those kinds of things, which is fine, right? We're going to develop the different models, but I think that there will come a time when we are back to, you know, seeing working with each other back in the offices again. It's a matter of how we, we get there through, through, you know, the health side of that, which is some of that's way beyond my pay grade. But uh, I am, I do all the time work in, in risk mitigation. So it's important for me to think about, you know, how does this really affect people? Mark, I know you've been doing a lot of interesting reading about what are we seeing from a data perspective about the middle market, some of the information that you were just talking to me about with what we've seen in uh, capital raises relative to early stage companies and venture capital. I know some of the other research that you've been doing is you're, you're always full of data around the middle market. Tell me a little bit more about what you've been seeing. Yeah, I think we've, we've talked about this in other episodes. We try to gather information from big, big companies because those are strategics. Then there could be buyers in the public market, could be buyers of our clients. So it's important for us to find out what's going on in the, the big part of the market, the public market, all the way down to how are people treating new innovative companies coming out with new technologies, new solutions. And that goes to your point on venture capital. So we do watch venture capital as well. And quite frankly, we have a few customers that are, are, are working with venture capital um, type raises. Um, so I think one of the things we saw, and I know I, we felt this, we felt there were deals being done uh, in the, in the second and third quarter of this year. But I think it was, it was interesting to say where, where are they getting done? And you have to kind of get past that. So we've just got really, um, some great information from PitchBook and a couple other data providers about what's happened in, in, in the venture capital world. And, and to kind of give you an example, like we saw in vent, in the private equity world, which are more established companies usually, is it, is it most of the investors said, okay, what's going on in my portfolio? How do I help the people that are already in my portfolio and make sure that we're, you know, we've got a good solid platform before I invest in anything else. And I think we saw that in the, in the, in the, um, in the venture capital world where there was investing going on. There was a pretty robust angel side of things and there was a lot of robust on larger deals. Uh, if there was a sector of the market that was challenged, it would be the seed. Uh, stage and, and even some of the early stage, uh, which were, which were, 
um, were greatly affected. So people that were, if you will, first time raises of, of venture capital were those deals got put aside a little bit in the second and third quarter, but now we're starting to see those interest in that picking up as well. And I think that we've got a lot of things going on right now uh, in DC and, you know, for the fourth quarter, but below that, below all of the stuff that you hear on the, on the newspaper are deals being done. And I am very, very upbeat about what we're going to see in the fourth quarter. And, and I look forward to a very strong 2021. So what about the economy writ large? Well, I think, I think you've, I'm sure you've seen this as, as, as well as I. I think there's some encouraging signs on unemployment. Um, you know, we saw that drop back, uh, to about 7.9%, uh, at the end of September. And we've seen first time unemployment applications actually dropping down to, to the all time low in, in this pandemic since early March. So I think there's some encouraging signs there. It's never going to be as fast as we want it to be, but I, I do see, and you remember, you have a large swath of the, the economy, you know, of, with, of people in, in, in entertainment and leisure, you know, and, and the airlines are laying off some people. So those are some tough areas that are still affected by this, right? If you're running bars and restaurants at 25% capacity, you're not hiring all the people back. So. So there's some, some very encouraging news there. I thought one of the things that was interesting to me, and I know you watch this a lot too, is, is if you look at, let's start with cars, you know, the bounce back in, in the rate of people buying cars right now is really bounced back to what it was right before the pandemic. So people are in, in going out and buying cars. So the unit sales in cars is right there. And you think about that's a relatively chunky bit of investment. You have to have some faith in yourself to, to buy that. Most people, there are people obviously who go out and write a check for a car, but most people finance or lease the car. And so you figure if I'm going out to buy a new car or lease a new car, there is inherently in that a, an expression of optimism about the future to say, yes, I feel reasonably confident about my ability to, uh, make these payments over the next, you know, X months, whatever that, that financing or lease term may be. So that kind of thing I think is, is a hopeful sign. Are you seeing a similar thing in the housing markets? Yeah. Matter of fact, the housing markets, the, the, the big problem there is, is lack of inventory because it stopped for a while. And then all of a sudden there was a rush of people into the, into the housing market. So there's a situation now where there's a mismatch there in supply and demand. So that's pushing up some of these houses, prices and things and certain days on market and things like that. Every market, every micro market's going to be individual, but there are situations where people are trying to make some, you know, choices about moving to the suburbs, having some more room. I need to have a home office. I think that that's going to be persistent. So people are trying to do some of those things. So again, more important to me than that, you know, that, 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 you know, what people are doing is the fact that there's that confidence factor and that people are saying, I, I'm going to, I'll put money down on, on a house. You got to live somewhere, but you know, you figure that's a pretty good long-term bet. And that you believe you can, you can get that house and, and do that. And I look, I think some of this is all reflected. If you look at some of the, the consumer confidence index numbers, again, it's just a, a, you know, people go out and poll folks. How do you feel? What's the current environment? What do you think it's going to be like in six months? And both, both the, the conference board and, and University of Michigan that do this, both of them have seen, you know, where we want to see movement up, upward. And that helps everybody, right? That helps our clients. In, in, in where they're selling to people, whether they're B2C or B2B, because somewhere there's someone's doing B2C, you know, business to, to, to consumer. So I think that's all, that's all very positive. Um, I think that there's a chance 
for, for some coronavirus relief, uh, out of DC. I think that's being caught up a little bit in the, in the gamesmanship down there, but I'd like to see that come out. I know the stock market today, as we talk on, um, or, you know, early this week is, is, you know, bounced down a little bit because there's just some market doesn't like uncertainty, never has, never will. Um, and so with, with, with the Supreme Court signing potentially tonight and the coronavirus fight and the election coming up, um, the market's going to bounce around a little bit, I think, this week until after there's some certainty next week. But on, on the margin, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you know, encouraged by where, where the, the global or sorry, the U.S. economy is going. Well, I think it's also interesting when you look at the what's happening in housing, what's happening in uh, what's happening with cars and other large purchases, and you take that analogy to what's happening with businesses, and think about where again, so much of this is micro local. But I think if I if I take one message from what you're saying, it's to say writ large, there is reason for hope. There is reason to be optimistic. And so what that means to me is that if there is a particular challenge, if there's an area that's a challenge, but there are others that are still thriving, there is the opportunity to say, how do we redirect? How do we pivot? I know that is easier said than done sometimes. And I think in particular at this point of this year, um, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and we were talking about how just at this point in the year, it just feels like everyone is tired. Our, our emotional reserves have been run a little bit dry, uh, maybe a lot of it dry. And so the ability to find that point of creativity to say, if I need to pivot, how do I find that energy and that creativity? But my hope is by looking and saying, look, there are bright points across the economy. Maybe that gives a little bit of, of hope and inspiration to say, look, there is a way to do this. There is a way to navigate through the challenges of this year. So Stephanie, you raised a great point. I think it's, it's what's I think also encouraging for, for the business owner is there are banks out there. There are other people that are providing capital for growth, right? So those are people that are also now investing in companies. And I think that was the point of us talking about venture capital. That's the point of us talking about private equity. It's a point of us talking about strategic investors, those operating companies that are buying uh, companies to help them grow. Everybody has to grow. We are going to get through this. Um, we've gotten through worse, quite frankly, and we're going to get through this as well. I think if you look at the set aside the health side of this, right, because that's I'm no expert on that. But if you look at the economy, how fast it has snapped back. Right. Um, from, and how many jobs were created once we got past, you know, that March, April, May timeframe. This is all heading in the right direction. And everybody's tired. I'm tired, but we're going to get through this. And there's capital for growth. There's reasons to grow. And I think that, you know, it's delayed a little bit, maybe for some people, but I think there's every reason to believe that if you wanted to exit in 2020, or if that was on your horizon for 2021, that if you've got all the elements we've talked about before in some of our episodes, you know, on, I think we did three different episodes on the MA process and can you sell my company in the pandemic was one of the very early episodes. All of that still is relevant. And I, I think I'm more encouraged than when we cut those episodes is, is that the data is there that we're turning around. And I, I'm actually really excited about the fourth quarter in 2021. I, I love our portfolio of clients. They've got some, we've got some great people that are adding value. We've got people that are growing, you know, 
you know, that are, that are getting, like, as you said, inbound leads now that we're trying to, to sort out for, for one of them. It's just, there's, there's probably an abundance of, uh, of, uh, um, interest there. So it's, it's good. I'm happy where, where, where we are. So with that, uh, let's take just a moment and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Right in the Middle Market is brought to you by the Gaffin Group, a full-service business consulting firm. The Gaffin Group works closely with middle market companies tackling the big challenges of today's environment and capturing the value-enhancing growth opportunities of tomorrow. Too often, dogma, platitudes, or wish lists get confused with strategy. Then, it's no small wonder that execution can be muddled. The Gaffin Group principals work closely with company boards, executives, and their teams to seek pragmatic, tangible results. They provide comprehensive advisory services across strategic, financial, operational, and merger and acquisition capabilities, all framed by the fundamental belief that real strategy drives real results. The Gaffin Group is focused on delivering robust, practical insights and fact-based, pragmatic solutions. Their services are designed to support their clients' profitable growth and sustainable long-term value creation. Go to gaffingroup.com to learn more about how the Gaffin Group can help you and your company. Welcome back. I'm here with my co-host, Mark, and we are talking a little bit about just where we are in the middle market here in October of 2020. It's always so interesting when we do these because I know inevitably the second that we record them, we are, the information becomes rapidly out of date, which I think is one of the reasons it becomes so important for us to do these every month or every month or two. Um, and I think to me, as I look forward at the fourth quarter or the rest of the fourth quarter, I guess, kind of crazy that we really are down to all just two months left in the year. Um, but to be able to start to think about what are some of the things that uh, people should be continuing to look for. I think there's a good question about, you know, obviously the, the election coming next week as we sit here recording this in the last week of October. And I think I've heard a number of people who have articulated that no matter the outcome of the election, I think everybody will be happy when it's over. Uh, certainly there are other podcasts better suited to prognosticate on the impact of the election. Um, but what other things are you looking for in the fourth quarter? Well, I think one of the things that was very promising to me were the, the, the defaults. This is actually on lending. We look at that to see how companies are doing and how, how badly uh, were some of the more levered companies, the leveraged buyouts, how healthy were theirs. And we got to see some of the, the second quarter numbers not too terribly long ago. And they were really, really positive. I think people were predicting 10% default rates. And we're still, um, I think at this point, about 4 0.6, And so we think it'll probably go up a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the, 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 the government, the, the, the regulators have allowed banks this time to actually go out and work with borrowers because they realize that that's really the important thing to do. If you've got a good company with maybe a bad balance sheet right now, because the structure of the loan is, it was done in 2019. Now we're faced with a slightly different environment right now. Can we go out and start to restructure that loan and have it not trigger a bunch of things under the regulatory regime of banks? And, and the government this time got ahead of that and encouraged banks to go out and work with these, with these companies and sit down with them and figure out what a creative, prudent solution would be. And I think that's going to make a ton of difference in how rapidly those companies get up to speed. And again, 
thinking about our folks, our target audience in, in, the, in the middle market, lower part of the middle market, a lot of those big you know, companies that have been bought out that are private equity owned um, are, are really good uh, targets for, for acquisitions or, or to be acquired by. So I think if you look at try and look at the health across the span of companies in, in the public markets who have a lot of cash on their balance sheet and people that can still have access to, 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 to lending, um, I think that's, you know, those are the things that are important to me. You don't see that on the surface, you know, CNN's not carrying that, Fox News isn't carrying it, anybody, you know, CNBC doesn't carry some of this stuff. The things that matter to the middle market, I think, are, have shown their robustness as they, as they always have. And that's one of the reasons why I, I love so much working with, you know, this market and, and the people in it. You know, I, one of the questions that I've heard, Mark, and I'd be curious your take on this, is that there are a number of companies, obviously, there were a number of companies that were hit very hard, very fast, and then unfortunately failed very, very quickly. If you think about, again, as you said, entertainment, uh, restaurants, um, uh, travel, right? And some of those were just hit very quickly and, and went out of business very quickly. I've heard some people question whether, uh, in some ways, the, the business failure rate is has not yet peaked because we're going to have questions coming where after the government assistance programs are running out and after those businesses that, you know, had a line of credit from the banks that they were able to draw upon, they had some cash that they were able to rely on to get them through the last several months. And the question is, you know, are we going to start to see a higher business failure rate as businesses haven't totally bounced back, you know, for those businesses that haven't totally back bounced back and yet they've now run out of those reserves and those backup plans. I think that's probably almost inevitable. Um, I think that, um, you know, the question being, I don't want to get into the political side of this, but if you um, mandate that a certain group of people, we'll call them restaurants or, or bars or whatnot, can only run at 25% occupancy, and there may be all the good reasons in the world for coming up with that, that's not a long-term solution, right? The, the, the PPP, um, the payroll protection, uh, program was really designed, what, eight, eight weeks worth, worth of, of, um, of, of, of payroll because, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I was old enough to remember when it was 15 days to flatten the curve. So, um, you know, that's why people were thinking about, you know, that eight weeks. So you're absolutely right. And some of the people that have been shut down, um, you know, I don't want to be dark and gloomy on this, but you know, we're here in Chicago. Outdoor seating is fine for a good chunk of the year, but not a, the, not a majority of the year. Right. So I think we're coming up on that is, is when does outdoor dining become a problem? And, and I, my heart goes out to those folks and, but they're, they're so incredibly resilient and so creative in what they've done. Um, and, and people are, people are ordering, right? If, if people are confident, they're going to DoorDash, they're going to, you know, Grubhub or whatever it is, they're going to go out and try and pick up. So I do think there are folks that are, are fighting, fighting tooth and nail. I think we've got to be smart about what we're doing to, to these sectors of the economy. I think tra we saw travel, air travel up, um, pretty well, uh, meaningfully up, uh, looking at TSA numbers. So people are getting back on airplanes. I know we've had you out in the field. Um, and, and I think that people are traveling. So is it going to jump back to pre pandemic levels in the fourth quarter? Nope. Um, but I do think that we're going to get back, uh, continue to increase. That will, there'll be knock on effects of all that. If business travel goes up, the knock on effects of that will, 
will go on. I think what's going to be interesting is things like here in Chicago, you know, what, if you were planning a convention for 2021 or 2022, you know, and I'm not picking on Chicago, but you know, how do you sit down with Chicago and say, look, I've got to, if I set this up, how do I, how do I know that's going to run? And that could be Las Vegas. That could be, you know, any other big convention hub. That's going to be a big deal. That's a lot of money to these locals, the localities. That's right. And I think we've talked before about how do you continue to have that opportunity for connection, that opportunity for networking, for innovation. We're actually going to have another one of the interviews we have coming up is talking about the network effect and how do you drive uh, networking, sales, and building that collaborative ecosystem, and then thoughts about how you can do that in the current environment where some of those natural habits and natural patterns that we all had of ways that we were used to being able to to meet new people, um, get products out there, get services out there, whether that was conventions, it was association uh, meetings and happy hours and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, how are we adapting and what's, what's working? What are some of those best practices? So with that, I think that's our update for October, 2020, looking at the middle market. I'm Stephanie Chambliss-Gaffin, and you've been listening to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about running, growing, and selling your middle market business. We'd love to hear your comments about the first 25 episodes and give us a, a shout about what is, if you could pick one thing that you would most want to hear about in our next 25 episodes, what would it be? And we will send a Right in the Middle Market mug to the first five people who respond and give us their thoughts on topics that you'd like to see in the next 25 episodes. You can drop us a line on LinkedIn or send me an email at podcast at gaffingroup.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to hear more pragmatic tips. Until next time, be well and be hopeful.